We're going to get into our message today. We've been in the, in the book of Mark, and what a happy accident that today, as we've been studying through the book of Mark all, all through the year, that today we're in Mark chapter 5. We didn't plan this, I promise. We're in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43, and this is a story of, of what we're going to call today two parallel healings. Two healings where two females are healed. And it's really kind of a powerful story, really for all of us, but I thought it was fitting that today as we're, we're going to look at these parallel healings, we're going to see this woman gets healed, and we're going to see that this girl, spoiler alert, this girl's going to get healed. But we're going to be walking through some of these parallels, and we're going to have to go quickly today, but I want to start by reading the passage from Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles or a Bible app, I encourage you to, to open it up and read along with me. It's it's a story we're going to read, and then we're going to go back and we're going to take a look at these parallels and the significance of these parallels in these two healings. So read with me, Mark chapter 5. It starts in verse 21. It says, Jesus got into the boat again right after healing the demon-possessed man. We looked at this last week. He gets into the boat. He went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet Pleading fervently with him, he said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. So Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. So get this picture that he's just, there are crowds of people going with Jesus. Jesus was popular. Crowds of people are going with Jesus to, to see what he would do to heal this daughter. And it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing had gone out from, from his body, and so he turned around in the crowd, and he asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples looked at him, and they said, look at this crowd pressing in around you. How can you ask who just touched me? Like, everyone's touching you, Jesus. They didn't get it. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. And while he was still speaking to her, so remember, we, we, put a, we put a pause on this story from Jairus who came for the healing of the daughter. This is like this, this uh, interruption in the story, and we'll explain why here in just a minute. But while right after that healing, while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. And then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and he asked, why all this commotion and weeping? This child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. 
They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray real quick. God, I pray that as we unfold these scriptures, these two stories, God, that you would open our, our minds to understand what you're getting at and how it applies even to us today. That you have remarkable power and you are so worthy of our praise. Help us to learn that even today in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever played this game where you look at these two pictures and they look the same, but you're supposed to pick out the differences, right? I, I, I must be at that age now where that is a game that appeals to me because <laughs> I get ads for those all the time when I'm playing other games on my app. Don't make fun of me, young people. That's what we're going to do today, except we're going to look at these two similarities because there's a reason I think that Mark does this. I think there's a reason, well, aside from the fact that it happened this way, but besides that, that Mark wanted to make sure to, that, that we would see some of these parallels in these two stories, and we've got five parallels as we read this together. And again, we have to go quick, but there's so, much, there's so much here in the story. First of all, both situations were desperate situations. Verse 22, when, when Jairus saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pled with him, my little daughter's dying, please come lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. Now, if you paid attention when I read that passage, Jairus was a synagogue ruler. What that means is he's an administrative guy. He's not, he's not a rabbi, he's a synagogue ruler. So he's an administrative guy in the synagogue. But what we know, as we've been reading so far in the Gospel of Mark, is the Jewish authorities hated Jesus. Already the Jewish authorities hated Jesus. So Jairus had to be pretty desperate to break ranks and come to Jesus for healing. But anyone who's ever needed healing, you can totally relate to this. Like I remember years ago when the doctors said I had a cancerous growth. It wasn't cancer, but they said that it was. And I remember for a few weeks before the surgery, I was so desperate that I would have gone to a Benny Hinn thing if he was in town. Even though I make fun of preachers with hair, don't trust them. I was desperate enough that I would have done that. Even though I think it's questionable theology and whatever else, I'm not even sure I completely believe some of that stuff. Now, I believe Jesus can heal. I just don't always believe that the faith healers on TV represent Jesus, but that's a, for another conversation. My point is I was just desperate enough to do that, and that's what Jairus is doing. He's so desperate that he would go seek out Jesus. And then think about the woman. I mean, for the woman, it was even, there was even more desperation. It said she'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. Did you pick up on that? She suffered from doctors. She didn't just suffer from the illness, she, she suffered from trying to treat it. I think we in modern America don't realize how, how new medicine really is. I mean, now we can trust doctors when they get on TV and tell, tell us what to do. But 2,000 years ago, like it was ever, they were all crackpots. Thank God they're not crackpots anymore. But seriously, like medicine 2,000 years ago was just like, let's try this. <laughs> let's try that. And I'm sure these doctors weren't trying to hurt her, but she went through a lot of suffering, not just with her disease, but even with the treatment of the disease. And on top of it, she spent everything she had to pay them. She'd only gotten 
worse. So here was a woman who was desperate. And again, we think of this, today we read that and say, oh, that must have been terrible. She had this, she had this illness, but it was more than that, as we're going to see, that it, that it impacted everything about her life. This issue of blood for her probably means that if she was married, that her husband divorced her because she couldn't have kids. So here's a woman who was abandoned, who was a pariah in society. She was, on the out, she was an outcast in society. Here was a woman who maybe even lost her family over this. Here was a woman who's isolated and alone. So for real, like this woman was desperate. And this was kind of probably her last ditch effort for healing. So that's the first parallel. Now, the second parallel, maybe you didn't pick up on it when I read it, but the second parallel is this number 12. Did you notice this? That the, the girl was 12 years old, verse 42, and the woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Now, some of you maybe don't think much about numbers, but there are certain numbers in the Bible that are significant, like the number 3, the Trinity, the number 40, 40 days and 40 nights, and the number 12. Now, the number 12 represented restoration. The number 12 represented covenant. Remember when, when, God, when God chose Abraham through whom the blessing would come to the world, eventually Abraham's offspring were organized into 12 tribes. And then when Jesus started his ministry, we saw this a few chapters back, when Jesus started his ministry, he chose 12 disciples. And those numbers were very specific, and, and he did that for a reason. And any time a Jewish person would hear the number 12, they would think about God and his covenants and his promises. And so it's not insignificant that the number 12 shows up in both situations. But I also think it's interesting, I mean, if you think about this just on a timeline, isn't it interesting that one family is celebrating the birth of a child 12 years ago, and another family potentially just got broken up because this woman gets this disease. This woman can't have kids. So just think about this from God's perspective, 12 years before this Moment in time, and again, we read this and we're like, what a coincidence, but this isn't a coincidence. Like, maybe, just possibly, God knew that all of this was gonna happen 12 years ago, God knew all of this was gonna happen. That this, this moment of joy in one household, and there's no evidence at all that these families knew each other. I mean, this woman might have been from a completely different town, but God knows, God knows. And so there's this moment in time where there's joy in one household and there's grief in another household and 12 years down the road, now both households are grieving. Both households are desperate. I can't help but think like how God felt 12 years ago because he knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's going on. The third parallel is they're both daughters. Now, some of you might be like, well, duh, they're both women. They're both females, so obviously they're both daughters. No, there's something more to it. Obviously, he says, my little daughter is dying. But did you pick up on this when I read this story earlier? 
that he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. He didn't say woman. Now, two things about this. First of all, just the fact that Jesus is healing women is pretty darn cool. Because 2,000 years ago, again, women, women were second-class citizens. Women were like property. And yet, have you noticed as, you, as we've read through the Gospel of Mark, have, we, have you noticed yet how Jesus elevates women? Not above men, but he, he loves men and women because he, he created men and women. I love that Jesus affirms women and loves women and mothers but females in general, he loves women. You have value and worth and dignity in his eyes because you're created in the image of God, just like men. And so that's one thing is just the fact that these, these two, this two-for-one story of healing, these parallel healings have to do with women and there's just something about this that a Jewish person would have found interesting that we might not find interesting today, but it's interesting that, that Jesus would care about women because he does. But he could have just said to her, woman, your faith has made you well, but he didn't. He said, daughter. Because again, for her, think about her story. Like, she was a pariah. She was a reject. She didn't have anyone with her. She didn't have any family with her. She didn't have anyone advocating for her. And I love that Jesus called her a daughter. He's saying, you matter. You matter. You're part of God's family. You belong, that's what he's saying. And so they're both daughters. That's the fourth parallel, or the third parallel. Here's the fourth one. And this is one that maybe most of us wouldn't have picked up on. You know, if you're, if you're putting these pictures side by side, maybe some of you are like, well, I knew they were both desperate, and I saw the number 12 in both of them, right? And I noticed daughter for both of them, but this one I bet you didn't notice, because you'd have to have a little bit of understanding of the Old Testament, to understand this fourth thing. And it has to do with ceremonial uncleanliness in the Old Testament law. We're gonna look at some Old Testament here today. Let's go to the girl first. That He goes over and it says, holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. Again, you might read right past that unless you happen to be reading the Old Testament reading plan, Some, many of us are reading the Old Testament reading plan. We start at the beginning of the year. It's not too late. You can jump on with us, but you got some catching up to do. <laughs> but I don't know about you, those of you who've been reading it with us, is whenever we're reading the Old Testament, man, I'm just like, man, that is harsh. Man, that is harsh. Some of the stuff that we see in the Old Testament. And here's one example, Numbers 19.11, Old Testament here in yellow. It says, all those who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. But look back at Mark chapter five, verse 41. And it really, it's, it struck me even this morning as I kind of was rereading this this morning. It doesn't say that he touched her. It said that he held her hand. Now, we've seen a healing of a leper where Jesus touched the leper, and that was surprising that he would touch a leper because, again, if you touch a leper, you're un you become unclean. But he touched the leper anyway. He didn't have to. He did it to prove a point that he wasn't afraid of the uncleanliness of the leper, that Jesus, Jesus isn't in danger of getting the disease, that Jesus isn't in danger of being unclean. 
because Jesus is God. But here, he goes even further. It says, holding her hand. So could you imagine this from the vantage point of the synagogue ruler? And remember, the synagogue ruler knows the rules. The synagogue ruler understands the rules. And Jesus goes up to his daughter and holds, his, holds her hand. It doesn't even say how long. But in my mind, I'm thinking he probably went up to her. This is a dead person. This, this little girl is dead. And he grabs her hand. And he holds her hand. Maybe for a few minutes. Maybe he was still talking to the dad. Maybe he, maybe he said a little prayer. We don't really know. All we know is that for some period of time, he was holding her hand. And then he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And she got up. And by the way, go read it for yourself in Mark 5. Jesus wasn't unclean for seven days. Jesus didn't have to like separate himself because that's what that would mean is you'd have to separate yourself kind of like a leper. You'd have to separate yourself from the people for seven days, for a whole week. Jesus walked right out and carried on his business because Jesus isn't afraid of dead people. How about the woman? This is so interesting. It says that the woman came up behind Jesus through the crowd and touched his robe for she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Again, we read right past that. But if you understood Leviticus chapter 15, you'd have the fuller story. It says there, if you touch, if any of you touch these things, you will be ceremonially unclean. And that whole passage is talking about touching a woman with an issue of blood. That if you were to touch these things, you'll be ceremonially unclean. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you'll remain unclean until evening. I can't imagine, you know, my son is, is a little bit OCD, like he's washing his hands all the time. I can't imagine what it would be like if we were Jewish. Because seriously, I read some of these stories, and some of you might feel that way if you've been reading through the Old Testament with us this year. I read some of these stories, and I'm like, man, how could you not just be a little bit crazy if you had all these rules and regulations? And for some of us, it feels a little bit like maybe, is God mean? Like, is is God saying that she's a bad person because of this disease? And I want to make sure that you understand something about even the Old Testament and, and some of these rules and regulations. The whole reason God set all of this up is to send a message to us about his holiness, about his separateness, about his purity, and about our lack of purity. In fact, I think it's important to understand when you're reading Leviticus 15 to understand that in the context of Mark chapter 5. Kind of like understanding the 12 years later story in the context of what must have been happening 12 years before in God's mind because he knows the beginning from the end. He's the author of all of history, so he stands outside of history. So he knows it when he's writing it down. He understands it. So as we interpret Leviticus 15, let's keep Mark 5 in mind because God did. God had this in mind when he wrote this. God had both of these things in mind. God knew that it would all be fulfilled. This is why when Jesus came, he said, all of this Old Testament stuff is fulfilled in me. That's what Jesus said. 
Jesus is the fulfillment. There's no way to understand Leviticus and Numbers and some of these Old Testament rules and regulations. Again, it seems like God is mean and harsh. And No, he just wants to make sure we understand this basic thing. He's holy. We're not. That's it. He's holy. We're not. And some people really got it, like this woman. She really got the message because she lived it. Isn't it interesting? The culture we live in now, it's the opposite of that, isn't it? The culture we live in, it says, I can do whatever I want. I'm not broken. I'm not lost. I'm not wrong. God must be wrong. God's the one who's unholy. That's what our culture says. God's the one who's messed up. God's the one who's got it wrong. Man, it is so different, the culture we live in today, and I I just want to encourage you today to remember the kind of this story and even just to see this story through the eyes of this woman. She understood, she understood her desperation. She understood her uncleanliness. In fact, Jesus said, unless you understand that, you can't come to me. Because anyone who thinks that they're okay, anyone who thinks that they're fine and they're, they're clean and they're pure and they're right, boy, you're missing You're missing the whole point of the Bible. See, the good news of the Bible is that Jesus can give us healing and hope and purity. That's the good news of the Bible. But you can't understand the good news of the Bible if you're not willing to accept the bad news of the Bible, which is that we're all broken, we're all sinful. Every one of us. I'm not pointing fingers at all of you. I'm pointing fingers at all of us, me included. We're all sinful, broken people. And only through Jesus can we have healing? And that leads us to the last parallel, to this final parallel. And this isn't just a parallel in these stories, it's actually a parallel in every healing that we ever read in any of the Gospels. It all comes down to faith. It's interesting though, the faith of, in the situation with the little girl, the faith was the faith of the father, the girl didn't have any particular faith. In fact, by the time Jesus got there, the girl was dead. She couldn't have faith. But the the faith of the Father made the difference. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Like there was no doubt in his mind, in the Father's mind, that Jesus had the authority and the power and the ability to heal. And then, of course, the woman, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Isn't that interesting, the faith? Like she knew it. I know he has the authority to heal. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. And I wanna say something about the faith of both the father and this woman. In both cases, it's not just that they had faith. Don't misunderstand this. It's not just that they had faith. I mean, he said, your faith has made you well. So you could misread that and say, I just need to have faith. I'd have faith in whatever I want. No, no, it's all about faith in Jesus. The object of our faith matters. I want to invite you today, if you're here, you know, maybe, maybe you're here and this is kind of new to you. This story is new to you. Maybe one or both of these stories, you've never heard them before. But I, I want to really draw you to this last thought. It's that faith in Jesus is what makes the difference. You know, here at Alpine Church, that's who we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's, we're all focused on Jesus because the Bible says that Jesus is the one that can set us free. Jesus is the one that can 
that can give us what we need, that we, what we lack. If you're here today and you're desperate, maybe you don't even know what you're desperate for. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm not really even completely sure what I'm missing. Can I suggest what the answer might be? You're missing Jesus. If you don't have Jesus in your life, if you don't have him at the center of your life, then, then scripture says that you'll die in your sins, that you'll, you'll be separated from him and that, that, that impurity in your life, and you're not the only one, we all have impurity, that impurity in your life will not have been taken care of. But if you turn to Jesus in faith, the Bible says that he'll forgive you, he'll set you free, he'll set you free to live this life that really is represented here, this little girl gets up and she starts walking around like normal. In fact, the last thing Jesus says is go get her something to eat. I love that. It's like Jesus, he cares about every single part of that little girl's life, even that she was hungry. And the same thing with this woman. This healing wasn't just a physical healing. It was a healing in every single way. That's why he said to her, that's why he turned around to the crowd and said, who just touched me? He didn't do it to embarrass her. He did it because he knew that if nobody understood she was healed, then she would still be a pariah. He wanted to do that. He wanted everyone to know she was healed so she would be accepted back into society and so she could live a normal life again. And I want you to know that Jesus is the solution to every single problem that you have in your life. And if you're here today, I just invite you to know Jesus more. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray today that we would know that, that we would receive that truth and that message. These two, these two females, this, these two daughters who were healed 2,000 years ago, what an inspiration it is for us. Some of us are here not because we have faith, but because a mom or a dad has faith. And God, we see in this story of Jairus that it was his faith that made the difference in his daughter's life. And I pray the same would be true today for sons and daughters who are here. Others are here because they themselves are desperate. And they don't know where else to turn. And Jesus, I pray for those people that you would heal them. for those people that you would meet their every need. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the answer for all of us. And God, I pray that you would make that known to every single son and daughter in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.